Good evening. Kind of a downcast, blah evening, isn't it? Yeah, that's what I thought too. All right, so I had a visual, not an audio on that one. But anyway, we're in Matthew chapter 7. Um, on, on one of the weirder verses of Scripture that I've always just tried to figure out some way to explain, most of the time when I've heard it, it was just not satisfying an explanation, and I'm not sure I have anything better, but we're in Matthew chapter 7, we're going to read that just real quick again, and, and, and look at how weird this is for a couple of reasons. Judge not that you be not judged. We talked about that this morning, um, because the standard that you use and the spirit that you go with, but verse 6 says, do not give dogs... Do not give dogs what is holy. Don't throw pearls before pigs, or they'll trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. What in the world does that mean? Uh, there, there's a couple of things. First of all, we're not supposed to judge in the first five verses, and then now we're supposed to make a judgment. It, so it seems to me there's a couple of extremes we can go to. If you're always judging people, constantly making judgments about people, you're wrong. If you're never making judgments about people, you're wrong. Those extremes are weird. But then there's this, there's this name-calling Jesus does, and it's not unusual. I would think that if I preached this sermon, a couple of elders would call me aside and say, do you realize you kind of name-called here? You called some people hogs and dogs. That's what I'm going to call them, hogs and dogs. You, you talked to people and called them uh, hogs and pigs. And this isn't unusual either. Jesus called Herod a fox. That was not a compliment. He called the Pharisees a brood of vipers. And then, if you will, just kind of go up with me for a minute to Matthew chapter 15. Or, or, or program it in, or whatever you do. But Matthew chapter 15, beginning verse about 21, he, starts, he meets this woman who's not a Jew, but I want you to see her response. Jesus went away from there, withdrew. This is Matthew chapter 15. Verse 21, from there, and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon, a non-Jewish area. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. This is obviously a, a legitimate need, right? But he did not answer her a word. Jesus ignored her, completely acted like she wasn't there. You've ever had anybody treat you this way? The Lord did that to this woman. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away. She's crying out after us, making too much noise. She's disturbing us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. I was only sent to Jews. But she came and fell before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It's not right to take the children's bread, that's the Jews' bread, and throw it to the dogs. He calls her a dog. I'd be fired for this. I just want you to know this. Jesus calls this woman a dog. Not right to take what belongs to the Jews and cast it to people who are dogs. And she said, okay, Lord, that's fine with me, but even the dogs can eat the crumbs that fall from the table. And Jesus is impressed. And he answered her, woman, great is your faith. It will be done as you desire. Her daughter was healed instantly. A dog was a person who's not a Jew. If you're a Jew, you look at people who are not Jews as hogs and dogs. That's what we're going to call them tonight. They're hogs and dogs. You're making a judgment about those people. They are outside the Jewish faith. 
So in this, this verse, Matthew chapter 7, verse 6, he says, Do not cast what's precious to you, the Word of God. Do not cast the Word of God out to hogs and dogs who don't care about that. They don't care about Scripture. It doesn't compel them. It doesn't motivate them. They don't believe it. They don't care about it. So don't take your precious Word and cast it to them who do not care. This is just weird. But there's a couple of things we need to get from it. First of all is this. Do you prize the Word of God like this? It's, it's assumed in this passage, if you're an insider, if you're a believer, if you're a kingdom citizen, you will love the Word of God. It will be like a pearl. It will be something precious to you. You value it. You don't just, you don't just come to study it, and you don't want to just know what it says, and you don't just believe the Word. All those things can be true. Do you value it? Do you prize it? Do you hold it dear? Do you know what you do when you hold something very dear to you that's precious and valuable to you? Watch a teenager who has mislocated his or her phone for three straight minutes. And you see somebody who's prizing something, and they're turning the house upside down to find it. I went to a Little League ball game. Actually, it was Abby's game. I remember this. Uh, and, and somebody hit this foul ball, and this foul ball went up really high, so it was coming down with some velocity into the crowd, into the stands, and it was, you never knew where it was going to hit, right? It could hit somebody on the head. I saw this man sitting with his wife, and he had his little dog with him, and you know what he did? He bent over that dog and protected that thing like this. Never mind his wife's going to die, he's going to protect his little poodle, right? If you were to look at that, would you say, who did he prize and value? You're going to say, he prized the poodle. He can get another wife, you can't replace that dog, right? And that's what he's thinking. Well, he, he says here that believers, if you're really a kingdom citizen, you will love the Word. You'll live by it. You want to know it. You'll want to pursue it. You'll want to bring it to bear in your life. You want to submit to it. It's not a job to study Scripture. It is a, a love and a passion that you have. Do we love the Word like this? Is that something that we prize and value and hold dear? Is it something that we want to want to love, or is it something we really do value? And then recognize the other thing in this passage is there are people who are hogs and dogs. They are loved by God. They're made by God. They're precious people. We love them too, but listen, they do not care what the Bible says. They may believe the Bible is the Word of God, a revelation from God. It just isn't compelling to them. They don't care. Or they may say, you know, I think that's just a book of fiction. I don't believe that any more than I would believe some novel on the, uh, on the New York Times bestseller list. I don't know what they think, but here's the thing. They aren't compelled by it. They don't care. They haven't chosen to submit their lives to it. It doesn't mean anything to them, and we need to recognize it. And we need to understand this. We need to act a little different, and that's why Scripture has those places that tell us about this. For instance, think about the woman who's a believer married to a hog and dog, okay? Married to somebody who doesn't care about the truth. In 1 Peter chapter 3, he addresses this. He says, when you are married to someone who's not a believer, don't keep preaching it. Quit your talking about it. They may be won over without words by the purity and the reverence of your life. Model it and live it and show that you love the Word and you're submitting to it, but you don't have to preach to Him. He's already chosen not to respond to it. You just need to live it and model it. 
That's what you do with the truth. If you've got a child who for whatever reason lived in your home, has fallen away from the faith or maybe never really embraced it for himself and a choice that he made, quit, quit just dogging him with the Word of God. Quit preaching at him. Quit sending him the sermon CDs, y'all. That's not going to compel him anymore. Live it, but shut it. Live it, but shut it. That's what he's saying to you. Quit throwing that stuff out there. It's precious to you, but he doesn't care. It's not going to compel him. So live it and treat him according to it. But quit preaching it. There are times you don't do that. Think about uh, this, I think, uh, in 1 Peter 3, is a woman who became a Christian married to an unbeliever. But then when it comes to marriage or any other relationship, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Do not be unequally influenced by a hog and dog. That's what he's saying. Be careful who you marry. And here's the theory behind it. If you're a person who loves and prizes and cherishes the Word of God and what it means for your life, you do not want to enter into relationships with people who don't care about that Word so that you suddenly adopt their point of view. This is not just marriage. This is any heavy relationship where the influence goes the wrong way. He's saying if you're really a Christian who loves the Word, the relationships you have should never force you to distance yourself from that word. And if it starts doing that, you need to sever those relationships. That's how serious he is about us loving the truth. And then you've got those times and evangelistic efforts. What did Jesus tell the apostles? When you enter a town, you start teaching the truth and preaching the truth, but once they make a decision and they no longer want to hear any more about it, what are they supposed to do? Something to do with their feet? Don't preach anymore. You've given them a chance. You've told them the truth. Don't keep throwing that truth that's very valuable and precious to you out there where it's ignored and just, just, just completely disregarded. Shake the dust off your feet. If you recall, even Paul, when he would go to a new city, he would first go into the synagogue and he would preach to the Jews first. But when they chose to disregard everything about the truth, he says, that's enough of you, I'm going to the Gentiles now. I've given you the chance first. The Jews, ironically, were the ones who became hog and dogs. They came up with a hog and dog theme toward everybody else, but they suddenly switched places. They refused to believe. Now that's how people often interpret this, and I think it's a good way to do it, but these are not direct applications of Matthew 7, 6. In verses 1 through 5, as we talked about this morning, here's a believer who has to make a judgment call concerning something another believer is doing and knows that he needs to go with Scripture open and appeal to that brother to, to quit doing what he's doing. And you do this in a loving manner with a spirit of humility and, and getting rid of the hypocrisy in your life. And then when he hits verse 6, I think he says, but you don't do this with outsiders. You don't do this with outsiders. I think what Jesus is saying, Paul later on kind of clarifies this. I want to take you back to 1 Corinthians 5, but it's on the screen here. This man living with his father's wife in the congregation, and the church is boasting about the fact that they're, that they're not listening to Paul, they're going to do their own thing, and they're accepting this man who's living a immoral lifestyle. And here's what Paul says at the end of 1 Corinthians 5. 
I wrote to you in my letter, he's written them before, a letter we don't have, not to associate with sexually immoral people. I'm not talking about sexually immoral people of this world or the greedy of this world or the swindlers of this world or idolaters since you would have to go out of the world to do that. But now I'm writing you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he's guilty of sexual immorality or greed or an idolater or reviler or a drunkard or a swindler. Don't even eat with that person. For what do we do with judging outsiders? Is that not the church that you are to judge? God judges the outsider. You are to purge the evil from among you. Now look carefully at this because what he's saying is we treat people differently depending on whether they're brothers and sisters or they're a hog and dog. If it's a brother and a sister, you see them engaging in these activities, you warn them, and then you refuse to eat with them, and you actually disfellowship or expel them from you. But a hog and dog doing the exact same thing, you welcome them to your assembly, you eat with them to influence them, you encourage them, and you associate with them in every way possible. Hold it just a minute. People doing the exact same thing, you treat one like this, and you treat another like this. That doesn't seem fair and consistent, does it? But that's how Paul tells us to do it. If it's a believer, you're willing to sever the relationship if they continue this. If it's not a believer, a hog and dog, you continue trying to influence them. How crazy is that? Man, living the Christian life, y'all, is not a no-brainer. You've got to engage your mind in this. And it seems to me we draw some conclusions. You don't judge this guy, but you judge this guy. And here it is, the church member, the brother or sister, has, along with you, submitted to the Lordship of Christ, submitted to living under the authority of the Word. And that person's supposed to love the truth and abide by the truth and submit himself to the truth, and we all know it. Everyone in here right now knows the truth that we're all agreeing to live under, and we're saying to one another, I am submitting to this, and we know what that standard is. The person over here is an unbeliever, has no regard for that. says, I don't care about the Word, I don't maybe not even know the Word, and therefore you're trying to win them to the truth. You're not worried about the little behaviors they're doing because they've got a whole bigger problem than that. We don't take the Word of God, open it up, enter a bar somewhere, excuse me, a private club in Jonesboro somewhere, and, and preach to them about drunkenness from that Bible. You don't do that. You don't, like some Baptist churches up in Missouri, go and open up a Bible and start preaching at gay rights activists in a gay parade somewhere. I'm not saying we can't dialogue. I'm saying we don't open a Bible and preach a sermon to them. We don't take what's precious to us that we've already chosen to submit to and force them to submit to that standard that they've never chosen to do so. We don't do that with them. We treat people different. So what in the world does this mean then? I'd like to give you a test with pictures, but I didn't know how to do this. If a person is an alcoholic, drunk all the time, do we preach to them or not? If you have people living together and they're not married, do we preach to them or not? 
We may reason with people in these circumstances, but if they're not members of the church, we do not preach at them. We don't send them sermon CDs. We don't do that. We honor the fact that there's a distinction. We're trying to win one, and we're trying to correct another. Second, uh, this is by no means uh, means that we, we hide our Scripture or kind of keep it under a rock, right? You knock on doors, and you go around, and you take the Scripture with you, and you try to convince a homosexual couple living together in the world uh, in the midst of a sinful relationship, and they're going to go to hell if they don't change, and you give them that 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9-11 through 11 sermon. That's not what you do. You're going to them to appeal to them, and you appeal to them in different standards. But if that couple does show interest in the truth and is coming into the assembly wanting to know the Word of God, then you open up this conversation. The Bible is not for political discussions. Public policy cannot force people to abide by a scriptural standard that you value, but they don't. It's not our place. This is a reminder that there's other ways that people can get a hearing rather than an open Bible. You want to reason with teenagers about living together with a boyfriend or whatever, and they're not Christians, there are different ways you can reason this. There's different things you can do to talk about. If I'm invited to talk to a Lions Club about morality, I don't take Scripture with me. Now, it's going to come out of my mouth in ways they don't recognize, but it's not going to have, let's turn to this passage and let's deal with it, because that's not where they are. Even Paul, when he's trying to convert the people of Athens in Acts chapter 17, never does refer to Scripture at all. Not once, because these people don't know Scripture. They don't care. But when you look at the other sermons in Acts, he quotes Scripture all the time. He knows who he's talking to. We must know who we're talking to and treat them with respect. The most powerful witness of Scripture is always going to be your life lived out in submission to that word before other people without giving them quotes and book, chapter, verse. That's what Peter tells wives to do. Live your life where it's obviously under the influence of Scripture. Be Scripture to them in a living, powerful, convincing way. And they'll ask you why you live that way, and then you can explain it. We judge one another. We don't judge the world. That's God's role. We have judgments to make. Is this person a believer? Is this person a hog and dog? That matters. If it's a believer, I take Scripture with me, and I do it graciously and tentatively like we talked about this morning, and we reason with them. If it's not a believer, I may never have to judge them at all in this. And if I do, it does not require a sermon or a Bible verse but it involves a quality of life. To judge or not to judge, that's the question. And the answer requires some thought. But here's what I know. This is Sunday night, Jonesboro, Arkansas, Valley View Church of Christ, and I'm assuming, I'm assuming you come to this place because you value the truth. Who else comes on Sunday night? Come on, it's a free-for-all, right? You come because you want to know something, and you, you have understood that you're submitting to Scripture and you're honoring it, and when you come here, here's the truth. I think the only thing that should ever be preached from our pulpit is the Word of God. That's it. 
We have no business doing anything else. And I'm assuming that you are willing to submit to it. And you're saying to me, if you can demonstrate that this is rooted in the Word of God, I will submit to it, and we all will. I'm assuming that because you're here on Sunday night. Because you've come here, we're not going to take this to the mall. We're not going to go into Walmart in aisle four and do this. We're not going to do this because we weren't invited, and I'm not assuming they care about anything about the truth. Hog and dogs versus believers. What I know about you is that you've chosen to submit your life to this, and because of this, we come together and we hold each other accountable to this. The reason I can say this with any kind of confidence, if you don't have a scripture text, you have nothing to say in today's world as a Christian. The only confidence I ever have in being able to say anything with absolute assurance is that I know it's in the Word of God and we submit to it. If I go beyond that to opinion, I'm not going to get you to agree with me. Nor should you. But you've come on a Sunday night. You're Valley View Church of Christ people. You're people who've said, I'm coming to hear the Word of God. And preacher, if you're going to say something to me and you expect me to believe it, you better root it in the Word of God, and that's who you are. And this, this evening, you must honor the Word of God in your life. And if that means there's changes that need to be made, if the Scripture says it and you're not doing it, you're in the wrong and you need to submit. Is that right? That's right. I don't expect that of the world, but I expect it of you people because you're believers. You're people who love the truth, and you want to, with every fiber of your being, bring your life in submission to it. If there's anyone here for whatever reason that's not been your posture, there's some reason you're here on a Sunday night. Nobody comes on a Sunday night unless they really are serious about something, right? You're here for some reason. You want to know what the Word of God is. We're going to unapologetically, we're going to say this is the truth and this is the way God says it. This is what you need to do. And if for whatever reason you've been convicted by it, to the point where you need to respond to it, whether you need to study some more, be shown some different things from Scripture, we'd be loving to help you with that. But whatever the truth is, if it's in the Scriptures, you need to honor it. We all intend to do that with each other on a consistent basis. I've welcomed you into my life for this. You've welcomed me into yours. And may we be a group of people who are in constant pursuit of living that Word of God the best we can in our lives. And if you're subject to that invitation this, this evening, then come forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.